Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Mm. All right. Thanks for okay, the <laughs> for that honor. Um. Okay. Let's pray. Um. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you've uh, given us. Uh. We thank you for this provision. We pray that as we sharing in you in Christ by your spirit you may open the eyes of our hearts that we may come to know you and appreciate you thank you lord i pray all this through christ amen amen i'm i'm um, tracy uh without wasting any more time uh the floor is yours okay well, it's great to be together again. Thank you, Mark, for arranging uh, this time together. And it's our prayer that would be profitable for us as we move forward in our relationship with uh, Jesus, knowing more about what that means for us and how we can get on here in this world with him and have the ability and the opportunity to share uh, what we have with him, with others about him. So in that regard, we're, we're ready to move into sort of the next little section here which we've titled, Why is it important? And that's, why is it important to know that we're not our own, that we're bought with the price, um, that we are one uh, spirit with God. We talked about uh, yesterday and the fact that that is true. And the fact that we have what we like to call a unified spirit. We're not, we're not two with the devil and with Christ. It's just us and Jesus. He's within us. We're one with him. And at least one of the reasons why that is important is because we need to know those things and who is at home in us, which is none less than the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, is so we can stand in Him and for Him. And, and what we sort of mean by that is to be guarded against all the stuff that's going to come our way in this life. Uh, there's a verse in uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, if you want to sort of uh, write it down if I can get my eye on it here it talks about uh, uh, the guarded heart yeah let's we'll begin in Ephesians 4 uh, verse 5 let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanks and giving let your requests be made known to God and and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And the point I want out of that, that I think we need to realize is that, that God's in the business of guarding our heart. He wants us to have what we call the guarded heart. And in order for that to happen, we need to, we need to have information about who's in us, why he's there, how he's there, and be able to stand against all the stuff that's coming our way and not be swayed by it. Because if we're not prepared to stand in the face of adversity, in the face of hardship, in the face of accusation from me or those around us, it's easy to begin to doubt. It's even it's easy to begin to believe some of what might be said, and you know, cause us to doubt our position and, and all the truths that we have in Him. Uh, so it's important that we have what we like to call the guarded heart. In order to do that, we need to know. Uh, some of these things that we can stand uh, for and in him. And um, just for a little bit on that, we'll have to go to uh, Ephesians. 
back to chapter back to Ephesians chapter six, and we'll read a couple of verses there, and then we may, we may even go back a little further into Ephesians here before we get finished up here today. But in, in Ephesians chapter six, uh, verses thirteen, basically through well on down, it talks about the the armor. But we won't go through all of that. You can read it on your own. But we'll start with 13 and read a couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. No doubt you've heard this preached many times, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all uh, to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace, and, and above all, taking the shield of faith. And it goes on from there. But... One what we want to talk about here is primarily this idea of standing. Um, he says in verse 13, having done all to stand, and I love the way he starts off in verse 14. He says, stand, therefore. It's like he's saying, come on, guys. You, you, you know all this stuff. You have this knowledge. You have Christ within you. Don't be afraid to take a stand when you see things coming in that are not right, that, you, that are tempting us to agree with the devil. Maybe, excuse me, maybe not exactly, um, you know, know what to do, what to say. He says he's encouraging us to stand. So I, I really love the way he emphasized that in verse 14. You've done all these things. You've prepared yourself. you put on the battle, the armor. Uh, don't be afraid to stand. We need to know why it's important so we can stand for him in the face of the onslaught of the enemy, whether it's coming from the devil himself or those around us who are focused on other things um can i say you know ancillary things to the gospel that are not maybe as important as knowing who you are in christ uh tempting the attempt to get you to do more be more have more all of those things those can all be distractions and we need to stand in the truth of who we are in christ and what that means for us so it's a, and then he talks about uh, getting back to the guarded heart, he, he, gets, he starts talking about the breastplate of righteousness there in verse 14 of, of, of Ephesians 6. So that breastplate is, you know, our heart's very vulnerable. Uh, it really is to a lot of uh, attacks, a lot of things that people say, a lot of input that we might be getting that detracts from who we are in Christ. And the heart is so valuable that we need to realize that it's guarded with that uh, with that. Uh, breastplate of righteousness and that's not ours it's given to us by christ and we need to realize that we have all of that in him and to stand therefore on that it's why it's important to know um you know then you can think about um you know with the old the old sit walk stand thing of ephesians where you know we're told in chapter one verse six that we're accepted in the beloved we're told in chapter two verse six uh, that we're seated with him and then uh, back there in uh, four, it talks about uh, standing in chapter four. Talks about stand, uh, walking. I'm sorry, walking in chapter four and standing in chapter six. And it's just a very simple little outline of the book of Ephesians that was. It is normally we think we logically think things the other way around. We think we're supposed to stand, walk, and then we sit at the end. But when you come into Christ, it's just a reverse. We we, we start our position our life in Christ seated in the place of rest, resting in him. And then once we've learned for a while from him, we can begin to walk. And then at some point we can begin to stand, which is what he's emphasizing here in chapter six. 
which what I'm emphasizing with this point about knowing why this is important is so that we can stand against them when we need to. And when is that? Basically every day. We need to be able to stand against the onslaught of the enemy each and every day as it comes our way. And if we have these things in our knowledge, in our head, and then allow that to penetrate our heart by simply believing what the Word says about us, and again, I'm back to that, that's one of our big challenges is simply believing what the Word says about us, those who are His children, those who have accepted Christ by faith. We have the idea, usually by default more than by design, we just have our own thinking, and some of us have probably been taught that, you know, okay, you have Christ, now you got to go out and make it happen. You have to sustain it, you have to keep it by your own uh, wits, your own ability, what have you, rather than in realizing and trusting in and knowing the fact that the victory is received. Okay, the victory over sin, death, and the flesh is received, it's not won. Uh, Christ won the battle at the cross, so we enter into his victory. It's not something we have to work for to attain. Uh, we, we have it by faith, and we just need to learn to walk in it and apply it when we need to. There's a, there's a really neat little picture of this, about even in the Old Testament, about, about how the victory is not won, it's received. And uh, just, you know, to show you how that's not a new thing with this New Testament, um, there's, a, there's a scripture in Exodus that talks about Moses receiving the victory uh, with Amalek and it's just worth reading actually I'm just going to read it to you and you can go back and look at it and meditate it on yourself when you get the time it's in Exodus chapter 17 way back in the Old Testament and it starts in verse 8 and this is the battle where uh, Moses uh, is fighting um, and the people of Israel are fighting Amalek and the scripture says this, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and refitted them. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands on the one side and on the other, and his hands were held steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. We'll cut reading there. The point I'm trying to make here is that the victory was not was not one it was received as long as moses held his hands up in the air uh, as a type or a picture of him receiving from the lord then israel won so amalek is basically a type of sin for us and according to ian thomas he says that a victory over sin is not won; it's received from god in christ so so that's our point is this this thing that we have from him it's something that we receive. It's not something that we have to go out and strive for and, and work for when he's, he's willing to give it to us. If we can just plug in to what, he is, to what he is telling us, plug in to the fact that we have all that we have in Christ because we are unified in spirit. That's another little subtitle for this message. 
another little subtopic with this message. My wife's telling me to slow down. <laughs> a, a subtopic for this message is the unified spirit. So it's so that's what we have. We have we have, you know, we're one with him. Uh, this revelation to revolution is the fact that our spirit is unified, and therefore we have this all of these blessings that we have in Christ simply by receiving them from him. And the illustration of Moses uh, back in Exodus receiving the victory as he held his hands up is a, is a picture of us for that. And then it goes on in, towards the end of that chapter in Exodus, and it says God, God assures them that they will have battles with Amalek from generation to generation. So if we view Amalek as a type of the flesh, which he is and was, then we will not be surprised when we realize that the people of God have battles with Amalek, the flesh, if you will, from generation to generation. So that should not be surprising to us, and the victory has been won. We simply need to join the victory that Christ has won for us. So I hope you followed that. I hope I didn't go too fast. But uh, when you get time, go back and read that section in Exodus, it's it's a very wonderful, and there are others like it. It's you know this is just not a New Testament thing. The whole Bible preaches this victory in Christ, and that Christ would come and be our Redeemer and the Savior of the world. And so we find it to be true, even in a bunch of sections uh, and and you know tidbits here and there throughout the New Testament, where where God speaks eloquently about His grace. And Nehemiah 9 is one. Psalm 106 is another. Talks about how, you know, they they won the battle by it because they had the faith in their in Christ. So that's one thing. We need to know who about all these things so we can stand in him and for him when the enemy is trying to attack, trying to bring us down from our exalted position of being a, a believer, a son, and a daughter of Christ. Because that's his job, that's his business. He's out there trying to use anything he can to make you doubt, uh, worry, have fears. And those are all a natural condition of this life. But when we come over to the spiritual life, it's all been done for us in Christ. Okay, so that's that's the first little point here with why it's important. The other one is, uh, again, we're going back to the fact of being one with him. We need to know that we are one with him and there's really no better um, place to go for that than John chapter 17. Uh, it's a tremendous passage on on our oneness with Christ. If you haven't read John 17 lately, I would recommend you go back and read it again right now or today sometime, tonight sometime for you, in the morning, whatever, because it would really help in this little discussion we're having here about revelation to revolution because it's a very integral, very important part of, of knowing that we're one with him is reading what Christ says. This is Jesus' prayer for us. And, uh, uh, you know, we're way in the future, but he's actually praying for us here in John 17, uh, which is called the high priestly prayer. You probably heard it called that many times. I have no problem with that. But I just really like for us to take it and just take the words of it and let them sink into our spirit as we read through some of this again uh, this evening for you and this morning for me here in California. So if, you're, if you've turned to John 11 or 17 rather, uh, if you haven't, you can later, but write these scriptures down if you're not with me or you want to go back to them. 
Uh, we'll begin, like the whole chapter is packed, is just shot full of the whole thing is Christ speaking. It's wonderful. But in verse 11, he says some pretty amazing things. He says, now I am no longer in the world, even though he was still there. He was recognizing he would soon be God. Though I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those who you have given me, that they may be one as we are. And I don't know about you, but when I read the last three words of that little verse where he says, as we are, I can't imagine uh, anything more spectacular than that. Uh, Christ is praying to God the Father that we would be one with him just as tightly and just as closely as Christ is one with him. And there's no separation between the Father and the Son. So if there's no separation between the Father and the Son, then why do we, you know, why do we entertain the idea that somehow God has moved off from us? He really hasn't. If someone's, if someone is distant in a relationship, it's us. It's not the Lord. You know, they may be one as we are. It just knocks me out. I, I have, I just get chill bumps when I think about that. And also, he says the same thing, or words similar, in, in verse 21 of the same chapter. I'm just skipping over and picking out a few of the nuggets here. Uh, 21 and 22 uh, say this. Uh, all that, all they, that, excuse me, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So it's not just important for us, it's important for the world to see that same unity. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they, be, that they may be one just as we are one. And there it is again. So it's important to have all of these little nuggets from the word, from the Lord, uh, into our heart and soul and spirit that we might be able to stand against whatever comes from the outside. And there's a lot of stuff coming at us from the outside that will try to distract us, try to bring us down from our exalted position, if you will, as a child of God, an heir of the King, Jesus, who's coming for us at some point. And even though that's distant for us, we are one with him even today as he's prayed for us here uh, in this prayer. And then we can move to verse 24 of the same chapter. Father, I desire that they, that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the Lord of the world. So here he's praying to God the Father that we might be with him where he is. Wow. Uh, so, so when is that? Well, that's in the future, obviously, but that's also now. We're there with him in spirit now. It's been said that. You know, uh, we belong to eternity. We're stranded in time. Uh, you know, our heart and our soul and our spirit is with him in heaven, but our feet are on the earth so far. And, and therefore, we have this natural or this uh, incumbent battle that we fight between the flesh and the spirit, not between the spirit and the spirit. Okay, there's only one. I mean, you're unified with Christ. So the battle is not between the spirit and the spirit. It's between the flesh and the spirit. And we need to keep that uh, clear as we move forward. And then um, uh, in 26 is another one. Um, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it 
that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. And then he goes on and talks about, um, you know, we clear back, clear back to verse 20 uh, of the same chapter. We'll, we'll bounce back to 20 where he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So or in other words, through their message. So we have the responsibility and the opportunity to let what we know and have and believe show to a lost and dying world because it is our message. He's praying for our message, our word to go out that others might believe. And when they see, hopefully, what they see in us, it should it should inspire them at least to be inquisitive, maybe ask a question. How do you do that? Why are you why can you face adversity like you do? Uh, and, you know, um, move through them somewhat successfully. Well, we can tell them then it's because we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us, that we're one with Him. We've been unified uh, with the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ and His Spirit, uh, who was once crucified and now alive again forevermore for us who believe in Him, for those who will, but simply put their faith in Christ. So then there's one more little point here that we should touch on, and then we'll be about done with our time. Maybe there'll be a quick question or some comments. Uh, hope I haven't blown through this too fast for you. Uh, if I have, maybe we can go back and make sure you get the scriptures at least. But we need to know that nothing can separate us from his love. And I know that that's a real common thing. Most of you probably know that. But we just like to encourage you to not allow anything to ever cause you to doubt that you can be separated from his love. Of course, the classic verse on that, those verses are back in Romans, where he talks about those things. And, and you know, Romans chapter 8 particularly is very, very familiar territory. And we're just going to read a section of that just once again for your to refresh you on, on what that is and knowing we can't be separated from him. Uh, we'll go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, maybe, to begin with. Um, here, yes, here it is. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How can you be more than a conqueror? I mean, if you're a conqueror, you're a conqueror. If you're, if you're in some battle and you've conquered, you, you can't get any better than that. But we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor angels, nor or things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul goes through a litany of things here that, you know, you would think if it, any, anything was at all possible, that some of these things would be able to do that. But no, not, none of that can separate us from the love of God. We're in Him. He's in us. Our spirit's been unified with Him. With him. Uh, back there in Corinthians, we talked about being one spirit and the fact that we're not our own. We're bought with the price. We don't have to trust the owner now because I'm no longer the owner. It now belongs to Christ. And I'm in Him and He's in me. And He and I, uh, us, are more than conquerors. And we, we don't have to go out and win the victory. Jesus has won the victory. We simply raise our arms and receive it as Moses did on the rock. And the battle was the flesh, sin, and the devil is not won by us. It was won by Jesus. And we simply receive it by faith. And that 
you know, that's not as easily done as it is said. I will grant you that. But that is where we, that is what this is about right now. This is growing in that truth. This is beginning to trust the truth, beginning to trust what the word truly says about you. This is not stuff that Pastor Tracy's making up. I mean, we're in the scripture here. This is what the word of God says. The problem that we have is there are so many other voices and, and things vying for our time and for our attention that uh, we're human. We tend to forget. We fall from these, these, these principles that are truth, and we just need to be reminded of them from time to time. That's why it's great to continue your Bible reading, your Bible study. It's great to have scripture verses that talk about these things and uh, you know, not, not necessarily to emphasize all of the do that's contained in the Bible. The reason we do is because we already are. You know, uh, uh, we, we are these things in Christ. Uh, I think it's Peter that says, Be holy, for I am holy. Peter makes that statement in one of his writings. But it's, it says, notice the word there is be. It says, be holy. It doesn't say do holy. Uh, it, it's just like it's a, it's, he's wanting us to become something. It's almost like uh, God's last name is holy. It's like, so, you know, I'm a wolf. I want my children to be wolves. God is holy. He wants his children to be holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. But it's because we're in him gives us the ability to let his life take care of those things. When I don't have forgiveness for someone, I pray Jesus to be my forgiveness. You know, to, uh, to, uh, to be the things that I can't be. I, I am not, and he is. God's the great I am. I'm the great I am not. <laughs> so all of these things, all of these attributes that we can't do, we have the Savior who has done them and will do them for us. <clears throat> Excuse me, if we'll but receive them. And I know that that goes counter to a lot of the teaching that's out there, but be that as it may, we're going to choose to believe what the Word says about us and move with that into this lost and dying world who desperately need what we have to give them, but they'll just listen. So, again, you know, we can, we can wrap it up with that for this, for this morning, this evening in your case. And we'll look forward to uh, the next one uh, tomorrow, uh, which is, is Christ my goal or my present reality. And you can meditate on that. And uh, obviously we know which one of those we want. <laughs> so we'll talk more about it. But um, just know that God's not forgotten you. There's also a verse in Isaiah somewhere I, I tried finding it and I didn't take enough time to look it up but it talks about you know if a mother can forget her nursing child then yeah maybe God can forget you but guess what a mother can never forget her nursing child it's not possible it's not possible so it's not possible for, for God to forget about you if you are his child amen Amen. Um, uh, sit, walk, and stand. Uh, very tremendous uh, um, um, realities. Uh, you talked about the guarded heart. You see, not you. You said uh, we don't have to. We don't have to guard our hearts because Christ is in us. 
he can do the active work of guarding our hearts. That's a tremendous thing. If you could just uh, speak about that gently, uh, the guarded heart. I'm not well. Okay, I'll I'll do my best. I'm the, the 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 verse in Philippians there just talks about um, that we should guard our heart. That that's one thing that I guess we can exercise a little bit of our um, knowledge or will, and if you will, that we we have the opportunity to apply what's been given to us through through all of the armor of faith he talked about. We have the breastplate of righteousness that we've been given. And that, that will protect our heart from all of the uh, onslaught, all of the attacks of the enemy. If we'll just remember that it's there and not, and not begin to doubt or question or even to agree with what the enemy may be telling us. He may remind us of something that we did or said. And in truth, we did do or say that thing. But we need to remind him that that's, that part of us has died. That, that flesh is on the cross with Christ. And we now have... We now have uh, the life of Christ in us. We're unified with his spirit. And that's part of the idea of guarding your heart is simply to remember those things and to put the devil to flight with the scriptural and uh, spiritual truths that we have in Christ and to guard your heart with those. Paul's saying, have that guarded heart. Don't, don't let the enemy penetrate your armor that we have through the gospel and through Christ. Amen. So you, you you have just talked about um, uh, uh, that part of us that is crucified with Christ. Uh, what is that that part of us that is crucified to Christ, which Satan brings to our attention? So which part? Which, which, yes. What what part of us is crucified with Christ? that Satan brings to our attention? Um, the old man, the old person, the old self, uh, mm. our, 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 our life before conversion, what we were uh, before we were new creatures. See, that, that, even though that's died on the cross, I mean, it's, it's still in our memory, it's still in our head, uh, and we need to reprogram that. But the enemy knows all about that. He knows all of those things that are in our past. And he will bring them out at the right time. In a moment of weakness, when a like situation occurs, he'll remind you of how you reacted back then and, and uh, try to get you to wallow in that and to, to realize, even maybe even to doubt that you were really sincere when you made your conversion uh, attempt or statement, whatever, and begin to get, make us to doubt. And in so doing, if he can get us to doubt, to worry, doubt, or fear, uh, then we're subject to moving from maybe our position, not like moving from it, but thinking about other things, thinking about an idol, thinking about something that we may go to to deal with that emotional pain that that causes us rather than taking it back to the foot of the cross and laying it down and moving on and don't wallow in it again because he will do that. That's his job. I mean, I've said that several times. He wants to bring us down from that and by reminding us of those past errors, if you will, and causing us to, you know, become down in our spirit, down in our hearts, and begin to wonder if we really are sincere with our conversion. And uh, that we can't let that happen. So that's how we guard our hearts when those things come. We take that temptation, that thought, whatever it might be, back to the foot of the cross and say, no, 
I'm a new creation. That's not who I am anymore. It doesn't suit who I am in Christ, and I'm I'm moving on. And just and just keep moving forward. Don't don't play with it. Don't don't let him you know cause you to ruminate on it again. Just put it down. I left it at the cross. I'm a new creature. I look the same, but I'm not the same. Amen. I look the same, but I'm not the same. Amen. Uh, that, that is good news. And uh, last, <laughs> I look the same, but I'm not. I should get a t shirt. And... <laughs> I, uh, I look the same, but I'm not the same. <laughs> I went down um, front. Yeah, so there is, uh, lastly, there is something that um, really is revolutional that you're saying. You say that um, in John 17, the Lord Jesus says that uh, he desires that we may be one with him as he's one with the Father. Can you please say more about that reality? Because it is breathtaking. Yeah, it truly is breathtaking. I'm not sure what more I can say about it, other than just to just to try to absorb the magnitude of what that means. I mean, that's not that's not some prophet or that's not some rabbi praying that prayer. That is Jesus Himself, a part of the Godhead that is desiring that we would be one with the Father, just as He is one with the Father. I'm not sure we can comprehend it, Mark. Uh, it's it's beyond us, and yet and yet I trust it. I, you know, it's in the Word. Jesus said it, so I believe it was sincerely His desire. I really do. And so the, the next question that comes to me then is: As Jesus, you know, does He get what He desires? Yes, He does. You know, the Father is not going to deny Him that, right? Yes. So, sure. so if the Father is not going to deny him that, then we have every reason to believe that it's true and that we are that close. But but we're so earthbound, we're so earthbound and so motivated by our thoughts and emotions and maybe even our our will that sometimes is way too strong for some of us. Uh, we that we can't bend to the will of God. We, you know, we must have our way. And, but when we realize that. God himself, through the Son, has asked that we be that close several times. He does it two or three times in that chapter. I mean, it's not a fleeting thing with him. And he wants us to know that. And one of the reasons is that those who would hear our message or our word would believe. Also that he sent him and then believe in him. You know, we've said many times, and I know we've all been through pain and tragic things, and for the most part, we've come through them successfully. And I firmly believe that there is nothing that speaks to a lost and dying world than a Christian who can suffer successfully. And you know what I mean. We don't, we don't run to drink. We don't run to sin. We don't run to any other of the idols. We just take it back to the cross, and we, we calm ourselves with the, with the life of Christ, and we see our emotions come back down as we begin to accept whatever this thing is that God's brought into our life. You know, um, he allows some, some terrible things to come our way. There's no doubt about it. Uh, disease, death, you know, loss, financial loss, loss of friends, family, fellowship, all those things we've experienced, and yet we're not shaken. 
you know, we're grounded in Christ. Uh, we're, we're sad about some of that, but we've learned to move on from them because we've received the victory over those from, from Christ. We, we've, we've stopped trying to fix the situation and uh, I'll let God be our fix. Let, let him be those things that we, that we seem to have lost and just move on and wait for what comes next. And then what comes next eventually is glory. We'll be with him and we'll be with him then as he as he's asking for us to be with him in the scripture here just as they are incredible incredible finding ourselves in him so wonderful um yeah um i would allow one person maybe if he's there to uh ask a question and before we close, uh, so yes, yes, uh, we stop fixing our situation. Yes, Jimmy, we stop fixing our situations. Uh, is there anyone person before we close our meeting and um, prepare for tomorrow's meeting? All right, I take it that there's no other person. Okay. Uh, um, I seem to have had someone. No, 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 not one. All right. Um, thank you, Tracy, for such a wonderful evening. And uh, I'm going back to to read John 17, verse 11. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I want to go back and uh, uh, look at it. It is a breathtaking verse. Yeah. Uh, okay. so more yes tomorrow yes this evening uh tomorrow we shall have our last meeting 